deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. A lock door it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world is opened up as has the Griffin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Shrieking Shack. This is a Harry Potter play read podcast for lapsed fans. I am your host, Cece. And I'm Liz. And Liz, I got it on the last one. I, I think I'm like five out of eight now. Hey, that's not too bad. That's not, yeah, that's not the worst. I mean, it's not like a great score, but it's not the worst score either. Mm-hmm. Speaking of things that I would say uh, have not a great score, but aren't not the worst score, we finished The Cursed Child. Woohoo! The eighth Harry Potter story. We finished Harry Potter. We, we finished Harry Potter. Yeah, Jesus. It's about time. It took us about 10 years, it feels like. <laughs> well, and uh, there's a movie coming out in a month and a half. So I guess I guess technically. Yeah, yeah. Technically, there is more Harry Potter yet to come. But nevertheless, it does feel like a big milestone. Um, so we we talked about it a little bit last episode. But I think I think it would be good here to sort of like kind of get let's let's exercise all of our thoughts about cursed child that's time time to to really talk about it broadly i think what's uh what what, do you, what did you think overall in in the end of cursed child uh so i think that the best way to say it is if i were to rank harry potter stuff in my mind as like mm. stuff that i have like personally enjoyed yeah. i would put prisoner of azkaban at the top i think i still have to put like the first two books near the top as well just because they at least have the like nostalgia factor <laughs> uh goblet of fire might squeak in there by the same metric Sure. And then Cursed Child is up there. It might even be, like, Prisoner of Azkaban and, like, Book One and Cursed Child up there is my favorite Harry Potter things. Okay. Um, so with that said, six out of ten. <laughs> yeah, uh, important to keep 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 it all relative, you know? We're on a like, curve, for sure. Yeah, grading on a curve, absolutely. Yeah, I think I I I enjoyed it. Um, and I think there's a lot of stuff that I'm going to remember being a lot of fun. Um, I think I think Draco's characterization is is great. I think that the Albus and Harry story, for the most part, is pretty good up until the finish line. Um, which you know I've enjoyed worse stories than that, I suppose. Um, and uh, I think Delphi's a really fun character, and it, it, it's it's fun. It it's fun. I'm not, um, I'm not, like, like, devastated by it the way that the fandom seems to be, right? Um, <laughs> I think that probably requires a little bit more buy-in. Investment, yeah. Um, but, but, but I, I definitely do think that, God, the last act really kind of dragged it down for me a little bit. Um, it, it, it really kind of uh uh sunk in a way that i kind of wasn't expecting i guess i was i was i was writing pretty high on cursed child for the first three acts um i'd say this is yeah i i think the overall though it still probably lands it lands in the top half of stuff for me for sure i think is yeah, what i would say yeah i mean it's i think fan service is really 
hard to do. And it yes. feels like yeah. it should be the easiest thing in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been sort of sort of chewing on this one because obviously there is a very vocal portion of the audience that is very angry about Cursed Child. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it doesn't really feel like there's much fan presence that is very positive on it. Obviously, yeah. there's a lot of... Uh, play positive like play world positivity but as far as like the harry potter fans there isn't so much which is bizarre because i'm like this is fan service um but it like it's very strange to be me who is not uh, very invested in harry potter anymore to feel like they wrote a play that is fan service to me specifically Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways but didn't hit on the fan service that i think that the mainstream Harry Potter fandom might enjoy. Like it, this, I think about it and I'm like, the fan service that they put in here is what like Harry Potter Redditors hate, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're the, you don't like Snape. You just like Alan Rickman fans. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. So I don't know. This is a weird one. I think that it's... they just cut on the wrong angle of fan service for a lot of people. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to think about that because like the, the I, it, it's impossible to tell what the majority, the actual majority of fans think. Right. Um, because one, like, like the the Reddit is 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 a lot of fun to read. It's very silly. It has it has very particular fans on it that that love regurgitating the same arguments over and over and over again. I don't know if they represent the majority of Harry Potter fans, you know. Um, but Cursed Child also has like, if you search Cursed Child on YouTube, the the top result is a video with like 2.5 million views. That's like a takedown of it. Right. Like, I I don't know whether it's just like, well, the, the Venn diagram of Harry Potter fans who are also theater fans and not only theater fans, but can a- a- access the play at all. Right. As a, as a theater goer must just be tiny. Because it's a play and not like a mass market f- film or game or book or whatever, um, so it, it's it's really difficult to know. Like, does the fandom capital F widely hate this thing? Is it just a certain aspect of it? Is it is it are are people who hate it based on the leaks and reporting and 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 discourse? would they be converted if they saw it or, 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 you know, are their minds made up? It's just, it it is a, it, it's a really weird, it's one of the weirdest pieces of pop media that I've encountered in terms of like, like my ability to get a temperature reading on what the fandom actually thinks about it. You know, I kept having like this moment with it where I think it's been fun to read, but I I keep getting this like pulled back to reality moment where I'm like, I can't believe I'm reading a canon Harry Potter play that has like a line in it that is, this is like a, almost a Spartacus moment. Like that is so wild to me that this, this piece, this is an artifact of some kind. It's really, yeah. really strange that this exists. Um, also, I I don't know anything about the play world. 
mm-hmm. like at all. Um, yeah. Is this like the Marvel of play worlds? Like, is this like when Endgame gets like good reviews? <laughs> That's another good question. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I kind of have to assume yes, at least a little bit, because because this is at least to theater it's occupying a similar space and that like this is much more about the spectacle than like it is you know this isn't someone's you know one actor monologue play about uh you know their horrifying experience with cancer or something right like Mm -hmm. it's not it's not uh death of a salesman or something and hell maybe even death maybe mame plays are uh are are also play marvel to theater people i have no idea right but like it it yeah i would i guess that like hamilton and cursed child and that kind of thing are probably a a, a little more um well liked in like a similar sphere in the, in the way that like a a blockbuster film would get sort of like gloved treatment by the press right i yeah it's really difficult i think especially because i i just am fully you know i have to admit i don't know shit about theater right like i no no context for any of this stuff i can only guess but uh yeah i don't know i don't know what like the temperature on this kind of thing is for like serious theater fans i'm glad i read it Aside from this, I'm glad I read it just because of how weird it is. Like not yes, even as yeah. as itself, but just like where it where it is in culture is really strange. I think. Yeah, I mean, like it is. You know, it's it's one thing to to talk about it as like, oh, it's it's weird that they called it the eighth Harry Potter story and they marketed it strange, and it's like, you know, the best selling play script of all time. It's fucking weird that there's a Harry Potter play at all, right? Like, that's not a thing that this kind of franchise gets, typically. No! Right. (laughs) And if it does, it's not um, quite as uh, centered, right? Like, you might have a Shrek play, right? But it's not (laughs) um, as... I mean, I guess no one takes the Shrek canon seriously. I'm trying to think of literally any example here, yeah, and I'm coming right, up with nothing. Because the there, like, there is the Shrek Broadway play, and there is like the SpongeBob musical and whatever. But like, those aren't things where like the 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 story matters. You know, like the 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 fans aren't. They're like, ooh, what does this contribute to the SpongeBob canon? Right. Like, this contradicts the SpongeBob canon. Right. <laughs> um, the closest thing I can think of, I guess, is like in in japan there are several um playhouses that are dedicated to doing like anime and game adaptation stuff but i think those are much smaller like that's not like a you know that's not broadway scale that's like oh we're putting on a ace attorney play for funsies right um that sounds uh, like it rocks yeah, it's supposed to be great. Uh, like it's, uh, but it, you know, it's not. It's certainly not like cursed child level, just in terms of like, oh my god, the next big uh, uh, Ace Attorney entry is a play, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. A cursed child is kind of precious in a way, right? Yeah, like it's it's really strange for something so huge like Harry Potter that this would get made. Um, yeah, I, I think that that is sort of where I'm sitting with it more than anything about it um, 
for its own sake because like it's like six out of ten it's fine right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's totally fine i I, if anything the fact that i read a play is more is more noteworthy (laughs) right like yeah i haven't i haven't read a play since college right that's sort of where i'm where i'm at with it and and like even like weirder still it's a broadway play that does read on like like Harry Potter fan fiction. And I don't mean that in the same way as mm-hmm. like most things. It just like, that is sort of the fact of the matter is that that is the effect that it has. Yeah. If the original trilogy of Star Wars existed yeah. and there, and nothing outside of that existed. And then there was the Phantom Menace play. <laughs> like if when the yeah. Phantom Menace yeah. came out, it was not in theaters. It was a play you had to go see on Broadway, right? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's a yes. And then everyone read, and then everyone read the play script, and they're like, "Can you believe this? Spinning is a good trick. What? <laughs> they're so mad." And then they like would quote like the all the stuff that happens in the underwater world with the jar jars, and they'd be like, "This? Can you believe this? Can you believe Gungans? It's so stupid looking." well good thing it's a play yeah should have yeah. been a play now that i think about it yeah you're the the world you're describing sounds awesome <laughs> you see seeing a guy get cut in half by a lightsaber Hell yeah. in a play fuck yeah that sounds awesome yeah it, it is it is just so strange and like and not even in a way that like makes it inherent <laughs> it's like it's not like an inherently good strange either it's like wow it's so brave they did this it's kind of like huh okay Sure, you did. You made a play, I guess. Interesting. Uh, uh, bizarre. And there would be like listicles too. They'd be like, "Should Phantom Menace <laughs> become a movie?" Should, Ten could... reasons why they couldn't make Phantom Menace into a movie. <laughs> How would you make Sebulba would look ridiculous in a movie? He walks on his hands. You could not do that. It's impressive <laughs> that the actor can do it, but as a CGI character, that would be terrible. Now, why you should? classism <laughs> that's right not everyone has been not everyone has seen the glory of the boon to eve classic right uh and bringing it to the silver screen would uh mean that people who couldn't see the play got a chance to clap and cheer when the tuscan raider goes and snipes the guy out of his pod absolutely uh, which rocks that part's great um yeah, God, I yeah, that 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 is something that I just feel like I will never be able to fully solve in my brain. You know what I mean? I'm never going to be quite comfortable with the fact that like that this big Harry Potter follow up is a script that I read, right? Like, yeah, just bizarre. Honestly, I take it all back. I'm mm. I'm retooling this Star Wars thing. It would okay. be like original trilogy prequels didn't exist. J.J. Abrams came and wrote a Broadway play that was uh, the, I can't even remember what it's called, Force Awakens. Oh, because that's where we get the old actors back. Yep, because it would be fan fiction. People would be upset that Han Solo died. Like, this isn't canon. Han Solo would never be a bad dad. That's right. God, yeah. God, I guess that's true. Oh, fuck. People bitch about this play the same way they do about Last Jedi, too, where it's like Luke Skywalker would never be sad he was a hero or whatever right yeah it's all it's all coming together it's all there and it's like and and our our feeling about it too where it's like i'm i disagree with your criticisms but i also it's also six out of ten right (laughs) it's fine yeah 
yeah, yeah, it's pretty that's, good. Whatever. Yeah, Last Jedi was all right. It's a Star Wars film. It was some interesting stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, you're right. It's all there. It's all coming together. It was just just if it was a play instead of a film. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. That. That's also the kind of thing that makes me very curious about like the the whole like you know do they make a cursed child movie once they're once they've like gotten fantastic beasts out of their system you know because mm-hmm. because fantastic beasts obviously just th- that there's no saving that thing um is there any saving cursed child would it be better as a movie worse as a movie i i honestly don't know I I wish I had a Cursed Child movie coming out in six weeks instead of a Fantastic <laughs> Beasts movie. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, the I, think I, of the content. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just just like on paper, I guess it's a much more appealing idea. But it, yeah, it's just really, it's a really strange object. It's it's uh, like you say, it's an artifact. It feels like an upart. It's an mm-hmm. out of place artifact. It 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 shouldn't shouldn't exist and 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 i feel like a lot of the time when people say like oh my god this is so crazy it should it's like it shouldn't exist they mean that in like a i can't believe this really good brave thing exists and to me that's not how i'm talking about this i do think it is just genuinely fucking weird that it's a play um yeah huh um i uh have some reviews from the time that I think might be interesting to read. Wonderful. Uh, these kind of run the gamut because uh, two are from Harry Potter fan sites that we yes. uh, 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 know and love. One is from Leaky Cauldron and one is from MuggleNet. Um, and then one of them, I have a surprise one Ooh. from 2016 that I will save for the end. Our first one is from the Leaky Cauldron. And I'm only going to read a bit of it because they did the weird thing where they split it up into sections. Um, they have an interesting editorial style. A very interesting editorial style where, like, they have a whole section on, like, the casting. Uh, right. And then, so I'm going to read the, um, the, the bit about the plot specifically. <laughs> Jack Thorne and John Tiffany wrote this play with the support of J.K. Rowling and have previously spoken about the pressures of bringing back such a beloved and well-known story. Some have complained that the story feels unfamiliar, that the characters are strange and feel different, but I'd argue that's because they are different. This play is quite a lot darker than I expected. (laughs) Huh. Okay. Interesting. It twists and turns in ways you'd least expect. And though it's been compared to fan fiction, I'd actually argue that the events of the play highlight the complexity of the characters who are haunted by a past which heavily impacted the entirety of the Wizarding World history multiple times. Someone got scared of Voldemort Day, huh? (laughs) (laughs) It Uh, is pretty scary. Yeah, it's very scary. I mean, the play says that it's horrifying or whatever, so who am I to the judge right uh-huh. leaky mug at GeekyCon after the midnight release of the <laughs> script discussed the heavy reliance of cursed child on the previous books and how this story is almost an echo of past events okay leaky mug at GeekyCon. i would like to remind you this <laughs> is the eighth story in a series of eight so i would hope 
That's a good point. I, it's almost an echo of past events. I mm-hmm. would hope so as a sequel. Um, of course, the Potter st- series features heavily and works both as a nostalgia trip and a way of developing characters and giving fans closure. This isn't a prequel or a sequel. I think it's a mistake to think of this as a closure. Yeah. I don't think I don't think closure means much in the world of fiction mm-hmm. outside of the story. Right. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. I don't I I didn't like Deathly Hallows and I I didn't ever walk away from it like I need closure. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a, <laughs> it's a story, you know. <laughs> I could read something else. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, it's not a prequel or a sequel. It's a way of giving new and old fans alike a new way of seeing the series and learning more about the characters they love. I As think it's opposed- a story in its own right. Yeah, also, I'm sorry, but, like, as opposed to a sequel? Like, is that not what a sequel is? <laughs> a new way of seeing something and learning more about the characters you love? Is that not a sequel? Uh, one thing, however, has played in my mind. What did Joe Rowling mean when she annotated a photo of the cast saying, The absences say as much as the presences? Oh my god, What? What? What did J.K. Rowling mean? What did she mean by this? (laughs) The absences say as much as the present. I think she means the fallen 50. Which includes or excludes Lavender Brown. Lavender Brown based on what you believe. There are many characters from the Potter series who didn't make it into the play, but it's hard to know how this impacts the plot. If you have any ideas, please let us know below. Oh, I wish that their comment section still existed. I think it's gone. Is this like NaNoWriMo style? Like they think the characters are like sentient beings, and so they didn't impact the plot (laughs) by not being there? Because I think that I think they just wrote it to be like this. Yeah, uh, uh, Kingsley Shacklebolt, he was actually busy. Uh, he couldn't make it to the story. He was, he was on vacation. Good for him. Uh, ultimately, the success and magic of Cursed Child is not just about the script. The actors, writers, producers, and the creative team behind the play do so much to generate a truly awe-inspiring experience, and one which adds to the series in a new and immersive manner. With the play coming to Broadway and potentially further afield, we hope that that means more people are able to see the show, and we're hoping for a filmed version of the show performed on stage. Yeah, me too, buddy. Um... It's a charming experience, one that will have you laughing, crying, and smiling nostalgically, thinking how fast time has gone as you watch a new story play out 19 years later. Um, I hope that it feels like time goes fast as I watch the <laughs> watch the play. <laughs> the five-hour play we have to watch. I really hope that it, the time just flies by for me. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm so that that's a I guess that's like a this this feels like a smiling through it all review a little bit here. Yeah, kind of. 
not not in love with it, but not gonna say that they hated it. Kind of review is is the vibe I get from this. Maybe they were like waiting to find out if other people hated it. Mm. Like we're kind of like nervous about. They're hedging you know, a bit. You, yeah, yeah, you can't say that you didn't like it. Yeah, because you are Leaky Cauldron. You can't just say that, right? Like, right. Well, let's see what MuggleNet has to say about this play. Uh, in the heart of the West End, the world's most talked about theater production since Hamilton is now out of previews and live six days a week to a sold out audience. Magnificent palace theater with its ornate staircases and castle-esque frontage is home to, officially speaking, the eighth Harry Potter story. Quite a grand entrance here. Wow, Uh, I feel like I'm really there. Yeah. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child focuses on the Potters and the Granger Weasleys 19 years later. Part one picks up precisely where Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows ended at King's Cross Station on September 1st. On the Hogwarts Express, Albus Potter makes friends with Scorpius Malfoy. Both are awkward boys under pressure from the legacy of their fathers and the stories surrounding them. Uh, like please, what kind of stories? Yeah, what kind of stories surround Scorpius Malfoy's father <laughs> specifically? I, I think there are maybe some some rumors out there, some salacious tales out there about what he did with a time turner he may or may not have. <laughs> But the rumors aren't isolated to Hogwarts. Over at the Ministry of Magic, Harry, the head of magical law enforcement, and Hermione, a ministry official. She's not a ministry official. She's the fucking president, isn't she? Yes, she's the minister of magic. I guess that is technically, I guess the president is technically an official, but that's very funny. Uh, They hear of troll movement in Hungary, giants (laughs) in the Greek seas, and the disappearance of the werewolves. This is a very strange way to to make a synopsis for this story. Yeah, I guess I should be going into theater voice for this, probably. I just think that, like, f- I don't know what it is. It's it's a very, like, facts of the, mm-hmm. of the story kind of synopsis. Yeah, well, also, like, these are weird facts to pick up on. I gotta be honest, I had forgotten about the troll movements in Hungary and the giants and all that stuff. I thought that was just, like, what they were saying that he should be working on. Yeah. He's not doing his paperwork. Anyway. He's not, yeah, he's not doing his paperwork. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. Uh, could followers of the Dark Lord be amassing once again? How will this impact the young and insecure Albus and Scorpius as they struggle to find their own identities at the famous wizarding school? Good How? question. Tell me. From there, Cursed Child moves into a wholly unexpected, mildly chaotic, and largely unoriginal plot. What? It fails to create a new story, and instead leans heavily on the past, both for its humor and emotional resonance. The nods to the original series range from the touching to the ham-fisted references, worthy of a Starkid production. And no disrespect to Starkid, but one has come to expect more from Joe. Hmm. Hmm. Have we? Starkid, that's the very Potter musical people, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, that's Darren, Chris, and all them. Yeah. But as a piece of theater, Cursed Child is astonishing. The live magic is a real feat, largely in its subtlety, but also in its frequency that makes spell casting seem like second nature to the characters. A combination of lightning, sound, occasional pyrotechnics, and full commitment from the actors make every spell cast entirely believable, while impressive projections aid other charms and magical experience. Okay, you were asking 
if this was like the Marvel um of of like plays, like the play world, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm getting another picture here that I'd like to toss out there. Sure. Um this is AAA game reviews to me. Oh no. <laughs> this plot sucks. It's dog shit. It's a third person shooter. You've played it before, but my god, the graphics are great. <laughs> That's what this sounds like to me. That's what maybe this the is. Plot is. The plot and the writing are so bad, they'll make you so angry, but 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10, one. the graphics are really nice. <laughs> there is one particular dual sequence between Harry and Draco in part 1 that uses more proficient or traditional stage trickery to great effect. Oh, the, the bondage movements... fight? The yeah, the, the bondage, bondage fight. I'm excited about the bondage The movement sequences choreographed by Stephen Huggett uh often help conjure the feeling of magic staircases move and sets change seamlessly from hogwarts classrooms to ministry offices in a swirl of cloaks and capes initially the movement also helps drive the pace of the show but by part two you are left feeling suspicious of its use to pad out the runtime also all of this is accompanied by imogen heap's hypnotic arrangements unobtrusive <laughs> but wholly essential to the atmosphere okay so a, a vote of confidence for Image and Heap here. Mm -hmm. The costume design is a mixed bag. A fresh take on the Hogwarts robes makes you wish they were available in the theater shop, while Hermione's wardrobe is sure to be a cosplay favorite for some time to come. There's also a fabulous pink cape in part two. Less inspiring are Ginny's bizarre sweater choices and McGonagall's cape. Oh, this is great. Catty. I've got some stuff to look out for. Yeah. I'm going to remember this. Yeah, this is a much cattier review. I'm into this. Rather ironically, the latter are among some of the weaker characters of the production. Yeah, that's true. That That's not a... I can't disagree with that. It seems no one beyond J.K. Rowling is capable of writing Ginny whose character is uninspiring in Cursed Child as she is in the films. This is a bizarre take. I think that J.K. Rowling also is incapable of writing Ginny, quite frankly. But. I don't... I'm so... I want to see what pages I don't have in my Harry yeah, Potter novels right? that everyone seems to think of when they think of Ginny. We we were on vigilant Ginny watch. Yes! during our reading and she barely shows up someone but. cut some pages out of our book this is yeah. a conspiracy yeah everyone's talking about all these great Ginny scenes that just i've never read i don't think they exist she is partially redeemed in part two but even this is entirely thanks to her relationship with harry and not as a character in her own right okay you know that's what true. fair that, that's basically what we said yeah on the other hand, the quality of certain film performances make appearances from McGonagall, who apparently didn't resign upon the arrival of James Sirius Potter, and Dumbledore in portrait form a constant disappointment. God damn. Whoa. Uh, and the less said about the Hogwarts Express trolley lady, the better. Uh, who cares? However, not all cameo character appearances suffer the same treatment. Uh-oh. Uh. Moaning Myrtle is brilliantly flirtatious in a no. scene with Albus and Scorpius. I hate it. No, thank you. Especially within the context of her relationship with both of their fathers. What? That's even worse. That's worse. <laughs> While a novel take on the sorting hat plays perfectly with the show's theatricality. Ooh. As the story delves into unimaginable nightmares to reach its emotional climax, it's a struggle to not feel disappointed, since the past is dug up to pluck on your heartstrings. 
in the hope that you'll ignore the issues in the present and forget the loose ends of the future. Despite the two parts and lengthy runtime, there are still many unanswered questions that will at least keep the fandom busy for a while. Simply, quote, being a play, unquote, doesn't excuse the story of these faults. Oh my god, they're reaching out to us specifically here. Oh. Does not excuse these faults. But when Scorpius is this charming, does it really matter that the plot's a bit naff? This is a weird one, because I don't think I really disagree. Yeah. Like, in the literal... I just don't think it's that bad. They're picking up on stuff that I, I, I think I, I agree with. Um, I honestly think the weirdest part here is is uh, uh, is, is, is Scorpius the one they're going to for like the like, oh, well, at least it's charming. I guess it's all up to the actors. Yeah, Scorpius is fine, but not 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 my first pick for like who makes this worth it. That would be like Draco, Draco. or Snape. Yeah. yeah, Draco MVP. Um, there are two comments on this. Uh, one of them says it's an unadventurous nostalgia fest, but it might be good on stage. And then someone says, well, she didn't write it. I think Joe was trying to save as much as possible. Maybe she should ha- have written it alone. Uh, what? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> All right. My final review is from Seventeen Magazine. Oh, fun. Yeah. Seventeen Magazine. Uh, 2016's review, after reading the Harry Potter series 20 times, here's why I'll never touch Cursed Child again. Uh Uh-oh. J.K. Rowling has cursed us all with this terrible book. Side look emoji. Oof. You never want to see that. No, you don't. That's bad news. All was well. Those were the three words that ended the epic seven-part Harry Potter series when the final book was released in 2007. Those three syllables brought closure to millions of fans after years of watching our heroes suffer an unimaginable loss. The Fallen 50. The Fallen 50, they've included a gif of Dobby dying here. Oh, yeah, that's way worse. That's that He's the Fallen 1. Dobby. <sighs> yeah. Dobby died to save his friends. Um, there's that closure word again. Yeah. That's an odd one. Closure to me is like, I I think that it will be valid to talk about closure if we get like the last Game of Thrones novel, you know? Mm, yeah, but that's like about real life in some mm-hmm. ways. Like, I just don't, I don't think about it in terms of closure when I'm thinking about fiction. I might think of yeah. something as like, um, not like having a satisfying resolution. Mm-hmm. I just think it's interesting. It reminds me of like the sidebar on the um Harry Potter subreddit that says like it's for your post Potter depression. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just not a thing I experience. You know, mm-hmm. when in in even in fiction I love. Right. Like I've never like needed clo capital C closure in the way that I think a lot of people mean when they talk about that. But I mean entirely personal, I guess. But, sure. Yeah. Just not not relatable. Flash forward nine years to the first announcement of the cursed child when fans found out that actually all is not well for Harry Potter. Even though we thought JK Rowling had closed the door, the Wizarding World to the Wizarding World, the fandom, me especially, welcomed the new Harry Potter installment with open arms, and I pre-ordered it faster than a firebolt with a nice tailwind. Um, <laughs> there is a gif here, but it's, uh, uh, you know when Giffy loses a gif and there's like the oops gif? Yeah. 
It's that. So I don't know what was supposed to be there. When I finally got my hands on this play-turned-novel, I actually cried into the crisp new pages. I couldn't believe that after nine years, I was finally going home. How do you not know you're setting yourself up? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) this is a recipe for trouble, I gotta say. Um, They have included a Hogwarts is my home gif here. Oh, God. Big trouble coming. Yeah, yeah. As soon as I cracked it open, my excitement deflated. These characters, this world, was nothing like I remembered. They're 40. (laughs) Wait a minute, this is not my world. (laughs) Disappointed! It's like JK wasn't even part of the literary process, which, according to the author byline, she wasn't. Uh, The bold print clearly states that the book was written by Jack Thorne based on a story he created with J.K. Rowling and John Tiffany, but I still thought J.K. would have made sure Harry was done justice. Uh Uh-oh. This is so interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. uh, I have another article that touches on that a little more directly, but but, uh, the... J.K. Rowling's contributions to the play are so maddeningly vague for everybody, right? Like, like for, clearly for these fans, it, it makes it baffling that it doesn't give them what they wanted. I think it's baffling for us because we don't know, like, how involved she was. It's, it's, it's very strange how little clarity there is on that stuff. Yeah. Um, As I worked my way through the chapters, I got the feeling Thorne didn't read the books thoroughly before writing it. That was like the opposite feeling that I had. Yeah. I I think he did his homework. Instead, it seems like he watched two or three of the movies, then decided to make a far-fetched fan fiction based on what he incorrectly thought Harry Potter was. This is a bad take. I I can sympathize with a lot of the takes, but I mm-hmm. this is not this is not correct. This is this isn't it. As a result, the characters aren't true to themselves. It's like Thorn turned the Resurrection Stone tw- thrice in hand and conjured pale imitations of the witches and wizards we love. Okay, but hang on, whoever's writing this article, the Resurrection Stone doesn't make pale imitations. Because Harry gets a vital, cathartic release from meeting the fucking magic ghosts that come out of that. So Yeah, he does. But- what the f- yeah, you just have to know you're going to die. It changes the way it works, you see. <laughs> Cursed child Ron tells jokes because that's what people who work at joke shops do. I would think so. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope, frankly. I mean, I haven't been to a joke shop ever, so I guess I don't know. I will say it would be sort of charming if you like went to a joke shop and the owner was like deadly serious. That might be the funniest joke. That, that would it... be the joke, though. Ah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a joke you're telling. <laughs> um, Draco Malfoy is weirdly affectionate towards the tri- trio he despised. Spoiler alert, Snape is honored that Harry's son is named after him, even though he absolutely despised Harry and anything to do with the Potter name. Um, I guess this person didn't read the part where he's dying and he looks at him and it's like, you have your mother's eyes, take this goop from my brain. (laughs) The poncive. Take it to the poncive. And Harry can barely have a conversation with his own son, Albus, something I know Harry would never, ever let happen. 
Okay, this is that thing I was talking about where when you got the book and you cried, that maybe you were setting yourself up a little bit. This is great. Like, so the, the, this is a thing that I think happens with a lot of fans. Um, I, maybe this is the, the problem. I mean, not the problem. There's a lot of problems with like the concept of like fan service, but like the, the problem with like what separates this from something that's like really welcomed by a fan base. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, cursed child comes after, um, an ending that people thought was like the resolution of everything, right? Like story's over. Um, and I think that when people, there's like this weird dichotomy where people want more of a thing, but then when they get more of the thing, but the thing has conflict in it that, like, I, I, I'm putting big air quotes around this, but, like, undoes character development moments that they really liked from the original, right? Yep. Um, like, people react very poorly to that. Like, like but hang on, we, we did this, you know, we... we, we, we we uh we did this or like oh i don't want to see these characters being mean to each other again after they became friends in the last you know what i mean like yeah there's... oh absolutely yeah i mean it's like oh but they solved all the problems so why are they having more problems right yeah yeah and and so it's like this weird thing where it's like you want more of it but when you get more of it that introduces conflict that's necessary for a story to happen people suddenly get like very I, I get it's like the, like defensive of like friends they have or something almost right like mm -hmm. like they're real people and not characters who like can have conflict invented like that because it's a story you know yeah yeah it's it's very weird and when you don't do that and you try to do fan service and don't introduce conflict you get the last season of the good place which is maybe one <laughs> of the worst pieces of television i have ever seen in my life <laughs> You didn't like it when they invented better prison. Holy shit. I like the the victory lap that they tried to take that turned into a victory marathon. While, or the, all the characters cried with this big emotional catharsis for literally an entire season of TV. I couldn't even look away. Yeah. Yeah. Parks and Rec did the same thing and that's the same creative team, right? But just like God like, damn it. <laughs> they just made lib prison they yeah just i know <laughs> that was that shit was insane yeah yeah i was just yeah. like open mouth i could not believe what i was seeing yeah incredible yeah, yeah no that's a but like that that is the thing right or like uh i i think about like the mass effect citadel dlc which that was great, though. <laughs> I mean, they, we we get a lot of lore in that, but uh, but it's the same thing. Where it's like there's not like conflict in that, right? It's you play in a party for three hours, basically. Yeah. Um. It's 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 just a weird. Uh, it, it's it's. It, I mean, like it, this isn't even like a necessarily like on the fault of the creators so much as it is like like the expectations are just always going to be polarizing for a revival of a thing, right? Mm -hmm. Depending on how people feel about the ending. Um. There's another gif here, but it says oops again. Unlike the rest of the Harry Potter books, the entire plot of Cursed Child is random and shallow. Because I don't he's know about random. <laughs> uh, I guess the 
the the the potion the love potion thing is kind of random that's a little that, random uh the gold plated time turner is a little random <laughs> but in like a fun way <laughs> yeah because he's angry at harry for a reason that was only lightly touched upon oh Albus oh Potter. no yeah. uh-oh here we go because he's angry with uh, harry for a reason that was only lightly touched upon albus potter develops a fixation with cedric diggory who becomes the premise for the entire book he overhears Amos Diggory talking about his son Cedric's untimely death once, I repeat, once, and suddenly decides that his sole purpose in life is to go back in time and stop Cedric, a stranger who has nothing to do with him and died before Albus was even born, from dying. Okay, but you sort of miss, you sort of gloss yeah. over the part where the cool, the cool girl uh, maybe drops some hints uh, with mm. some ulterior motives mm-hmm. uh, in and- that scene. Or maybe the scene where uh, Albus says to Scorpius, I didn't know anything about Cedric. I just wanted to own my dad. Like, Oh, yeah, he does He, like, that. literally says that. Yeah. There's a gif of Cedric dying here. Oh, uh, so sad. The whole thing leaves me with one question. Why would Albus, who knows nothing about Cedric and has not been affected by his death in the slightest, decide to undergo this random mission to revive him? Well, we established that. It's to own his dad. Next question. <laughs> Albus gives some feeble excuse about how saving Cedric will make up for the people who died because of their association with Harry, which seems like a disconnect. Ooh, they're going really hard on this one plot point here. Uh, disconnected attempt on the author's behalf to invent a dangerous plot line. In the original books, Harry's mission was always 100% necessary, but Albus's ridiculously risky decisions could never have a successful outcome, which makes it impossible to root for him. The whole book, I was just thinking, go home, Albus. Go home. Don't have a plot happen. No <laughs> don't conflict. Have, don't have an adventure. Why? Why Say are no, Rika and Satoko being mean to each other? Oh my god. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> Alongside the Cedric narrative, there's a side plot that reveals Delphi, who enters the story as a new friend claiming to be Cedric's cousin, is Voldemort and Bellatrix's daughter, making her the bad guy. It's a desperate attempt to create an antagonist, and to a diehard HP fan, it doesn't ring true. There was nothing in the first seven books that implied Voldemort and Bellatrix had a child. In fact, quite the opposite. True Potterheads remember that Bella is married to a fellow Death Eater. Yeah, no one has ever had sex out of wedlock Wait, in a story before. But she's married. <laughs> my, de- my, my monocle's popping off. <laughs> oh my lord. How could this happen? I say, Bellatrix, is this true? I mean, if anything, like, it's, it's not, it's not like transgressive or anything. They're the bad guys. <laughs> she's married. <laughs> I don't know, like, she tortures someone. <laughs> she I don't tor- know. She's a murderer. She tortures people for fun. Yeah. She'd have sex with her cool boss. Yeah. Out of, you know, she'd on, she'd on Rodolphus. I mean, like, fuck, he's, he's the Dark Lord. He could probably, he's like a medieval king who's like, I get to fuck your wife now. Sorry. Yeah. And plenty of ways this could work. I mean, Draco bought, brought his wife back in time. So he could fuck <laughs> <her> so. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that's all part of the story. We know when he had a cool time turner to do it, and he got right. to sit, sit in the chair and watch. What else is that time turner for? <laughs> it seems lazy that Thorne opted out of developing a new character and just decided to keep playing off of the Voldemort's the villain storyline. Since he couldn't believably revive, you know who, Thorne just settled for the next best thing, Voldemort Junior. She is a new character. 
Yeah, I, I don't think she's like Voldemort Jr. at all. I mean, like, she has, like... I guess, like, literally, but, yeah. Yeah, but she has, like, people skills, you know what I mean? Like, she's a, she's a much more, like, uh, sneaky villain than Voldemort, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. There's a scene in Order of the Phoenix where Harry's beloved pet owl gets hurt, so Harry is forced to leave her with the Care of Magical Creatures teacher for treatment. As the professor walks away from her... Uh, Hedwig stares at Harry as though unable to believe he would give her away like this. And that's exactly how I feel. I didn't remember that scene at all. Hmm. Do you? No. I, I mean, I, I believe it. I believe it happened. I don't remember that line at all. Huh. There is a gif of Dumbledore shrugging here. Um, just so Me you too. know. I am hurt and angry that JK would hand my beloved series away to someone who doesn't even know it or understand it. Hmm. Thorn didn't grasp that what makes the Harry Potter series a world and not just a story is its depth. In the seven books, three official spin-offs, and countless Pottermore stories, J.K. Rowling create carefully crafted each and every plot turn. Yeah, she what? did. <laughs> uh, which often wasn't revealed until four books later. Even now that Harry's story has ended, Potterheads are still finding information about the wizarding world hidden in the tangled web of information J.K. created. Like, what? What new information have people discovered about Harry Potter? Does do they mean, like, what she would write on Twitter? <laughs> I guess. Like, I don't think that's fuck? really discovering, yeah. discovering it in the tangled web of information. Yeah, I don't know. This isn't like, the, this isn't Malazan, right? Like, people aren't, like, picking through it and going, like, oh, holy shit. I didn't, I didn't put this together until just now. What, like, what? It's Harry Potter. It's for seven-year-olds. She could have used her own special kind of magic to bring Harry Potter alive again in Cursed Child, but instead, she let an outsider conjure up a ghost. That bastard. God damn. Jack Thorne, you've, you've done necromancy here, is what, they, what <laughs> uh, they're alleging. Uh, this was written by Seventeen's fashion editor slash resident Harry Potter expert. Whoa. Uh, so, given that they have a much bigger title here I, I think is the fashion editor for 17 they must have been real mad about this uh, uh that's to... really bizarre yeah i'm just like quickly checking their like author page what was the last thing they wrote about harry potter uh the harry potter reunion is out now and if you haven't watched it yet i'm judging you okay so they're still a fan chris yeah. child didn't destroy it for them i suppose um, well, yeah, it's a foul pretender. <laughs> and, and nothing else that's happened involving Harry Potter either has uh, <laughs> moved maybe, the needle, I suppose. Maybe more suspect. <laughs> um, I have uh, one more thing, but I think we should uh, 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 move over to you um, uh, for, for something. You, you uh, uh, did some digging on. I want to hear some confessions. Wonderful. Uh, I don't have too many of them because it's Cursed Child and nobody cares about it. Um, <laughs> and really, like, all of these, because it's Cursed Child, are basically, like, unpopular opinion yeah. uh, posts. Um, but they're not. Uh, but I thought we would look at them because these are, like... This is the tier of criticism that is everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Like th this is mm -hmm. the this is the stuff. So here's our first confession here. Um, 
I don't know why some people think it is impossible for Voldemort to have a child. True, I don't think he was actively trying to have a child, but I never thought that he was unable to have one. I could see Bellatrix telling him that she is having his child and going, that's nice, but then forgetting forgetting about it not long after that because it isn't important to him. In fact, I could see him dying, not realizing that he even has a kid because he forgot about her. (laughs) That's nice. (laughs) I love that. That's nice. I, I'm, I'm on this person's side purely because I think that image is incredible. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> so I really liked that one. Because there good. are some unpopular opinions that are like, I liked it. And then there are some like, yeah. I hated it. Um, <laughs> so here's, here's one that I think that is like sort of along the lines of like the people who hate it for, it's like, I actually think it's really weird, and I don't know why it kind of rubs me the wrong way, but people that are like, I hate the plot, but the play is good. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like that makes a whole lot of sense, but here's here's someone talking about that. I think the biggest mistake that J.K. Rowling made was to give in to fan pressure and release Cursed Child as a book. I believe it destroyed the experience of theater goers whilst simultaneously giving everyone else something they weren't happy with. Living near London, I was one of the lucky few who got to see it on stage in June of 2016 before the book was released, and the atmosphere in the theater was phenomenal. The audience were literally on the edge of their seats the entire time and were all gasping at every twist and turn. The music, acting, and special effects were all absolutely amazing too. I went to see it a second time in December 2016, and the experience was very different. People seemed pleasantly surprised by the quality of the production, but for most people, they were experiencing a story they both already knew and already disliked. Hmm. Um, that was interesting. Isn't it? Because I'm not even sure I necessarily completely disagree. It's just a very funny thing to say that uh, no one should have gotten to read it. Like... No one should be allowed because they're not gasping with me. You at have the twists to go and turns. To see it. Everyone is coming with a chip on their shoulder. Was J.K. Rowling pressured into releasing it as a play? I'm pretty sure that uh, her publisher was just like, "We are going to make the most money anyone has ever made on a play, uh, so we're doing that." And she probably said, "Okay, I would like some money, please." Like that. That doesn't seem. I don't know if there was anything out there about her like resisting releasing it as a play. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I I do think it's very interesting, their observation about the audience feeling different. And I can't, t- I'm like, obviously there's like, it's like confirmation bias, right? Yeah, yeah. But wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I feel like it's it's got to be confirmation bias. And like, yeah, the first time you saw it, you probably just noticed everyone around you or like imagined everyone around you was having just as good a time as you were, right? Uh-huh. But like... Also, I do wonder if if there is like a no. I I just want to know what the vibes are. Yeah, the shows. Yeah, yeah. Who's going to see it? I guess is is it Harry Potter fans? Is it Broadway fans with no interest in Harry Potter? Is it kind of a mix? Yeah, I would love to see who who is it who goes to see it. Who is it who 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 flies out to New York or London or whatever to see this thing? Like, yeah. are they fans? Are they play people? Uh, yeah. Very curious. Um, 
one I wasn't going to read, but I'm delighted to see it. So I'm going to read it. Yay. Um, this is a classic confessions, not a confessions post, but it's very good. It's like, it's like stream of consciousness. I recently told my mom about Elvis Severus Potter and Cursed Child, and she commented that he sounded a lot like Kylo Ren from the new Star Wars series. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, basically, both of them are acting out because of the fact that they feel like they don't live up to the expectations people place on them because of their famous parents. Even though Albus did it unintentionally and it was reversed, both of their actions led to their father dying. Wow. I mean, led to their actions led to their father dying is very <laughs> passive voice for Kylo Ren, I passive feel. Passive voice for uh, lightsaber your, involved murder, stabbing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that, yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, that, that, hmm, I don't know if that's quite a fair comparison now that I think about it. <laughs> I think Kylo Ren uh, murdered his dad, in fact, uh, directly. I think so as well. <laughs> that, sounds just, that sounds just like Kylo Ren killing his dad. <laughs> I was actually I I I kind of forgot to mention this, but when we were talking about the like other uh, you know the other big pop culture comparisons, I guess like the closest thing, or or rather like I also th thought of Kylo Ren and, and like what the the latest Star Wars trilogy was trying to do with Star Wars, mm -hmm. um, thinking about Delphi honestly, um, in that like she wants to meet her cool evil dad who uh you oh know, yeah i guess so who who she she imagines will like teach her how to be the the biggest and baddest cool guy ever right like wants to rebirth the dark i assume yeah. that's what kylo ren was about i never saw the last star wars movie the dark. yeah I'm the, I'm, yeah he said that for basically <laughs> yeah, like... that's what i heard <laughs> all right i've got one more for us hell yes um also I just want to say I have a lot of bravery because there's a word here that I feel like I like no way I'm not going to fail to pronounce it right. Okay. Because um, I've only ever seen it written, but I'm okay. doing it anyway. Uh, the world's religions can't agree on what passages are and are not actually a part of their canon of their scriptures. There are apocryphas and pseudepigraphas. Nope. Pseudepigraphas. Yeah, all over the place. Therefore, I feel absolutely no qualms whatsoever about holding that Pottermore, the cursed fanfic, etc. are not Damn. part of the Potter canon. It's not like anyone's soul is at stake here. <laughs> okay, this is a fascinating post. Isn't it? Um, because... I, so I, I don't agree with calling it the cursed fanfic or whatever the fuck. That's silly. Um... But I will say, it is funny that everyone argues about canon all the time, as if the concept of, like, theological canon has anything to do with, like, <laughs> rigid, agreeable structure, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, people fight wars over that stuff. Like, canon is not agreed upon. Like, canon is very fluid in theology. Yeah, um, they can't even agree, so that's why I have no qualms. I have no qualms. About, about not thinking Cursed Child is canon. I, you know what? I am, I am, this is the kind of person I am very happy, and not in like a condescending way, I'm like, I'm happy to disagree with, because I think that's actually a very healthy way to think about it. Like, why, it's, why does it fucking matter if it's canon or not? I don't like it. Uh, I will simply 
read something else. I don't know. <laughs> like, but sure. Okay. Why not? Yeah. 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 yeah good for them. Uh, apart from the, <laughs> apart from the, the weird <laughs> cursed child slam. Uh, <laughs> and the uh, Pottermore slam for that matter. Yeah, that's the weirder one. The Pottermore. I wonder what on Pottermore they don't like. Cause Pottermore, the JK Rowling written stuff I thought was mostly pretty well liked by the fan base, but, but maybe, I don't know. There's some, I mean, there's some rotten shit in there. Uh, if you go looking, but, uh, I think most people have liked it. Uh, maybe a fellow, um, uh, American history Pottermore stuff hater, um, in which case yeah. I salute them because that yeah. stuff sucks ass. <laughs> Wait, actually, I do have one more. Only because oh, this is yeah. a true confession. Favorite cursed child moment? Don't fuck with the trolley witch. Yo, true. This is a trolley witch stan out there. Fuck, I support them even more than the last person. This is a tr- this is a truly brave one. I think salute to the fucking trolley witch stan. Absolutely. Holy shit. I wonder. Hmm. I wonder if. Uh, uh, when, you know, it, when slash if a, a cursed child movie gets made, like, does Trolley Witch become like a fan favorite? Cause if they, you know, imagine that they like film it like sort of like a kid friendly horror thing, right? Oh, and it's yeah. like a, li- it's maybe like a little like Five Nights at Freddy's ish. And she's like a big, like, you know, she's like a scary robot wizard lady. Mm-hmm. And, and like Trolley Witch becomes like the new woobified, like, like teen horror. Uh, character heartthrob obsession. Oh yeah, kind of the like head tilt, uh, scary scissor fingers. Yeah, I can, I can see it for yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, I could, I could. That would be, I think, maybe the funniest outcome of a cur- if if Trolley Witch, because Trolley Witch is just like I think number one. Whenever we go on Reddit, whenever we we poke around online, like like Chris Child reactions, Trolley Witch is always trotted out first thing as like a here's proof that this thing is insanely stupid. Right, right? and it's the like I don't even need to explain why this is stupid kind mm-hmm. of thing. And to be fair, it is quite stupid. It is very stupid, but it's like in, it's fitting stupid uh, in a in a way that I'm not that upset by right yeah um but like the funniest potential thing for all of those fans i think is if trolley witch somehow becomes like like people people are making youtube videos about like the trolley witch challenge there you have to go to mcdonald's and ask for the trolley witch meal or or something like like (laughs) we we gotta get some creepy pasta trolley witch stuff going i think that would be very funny. I, I think that could really turn the trolley witch thing around. Yeah, that's that's how you rehabilitate this idea that everyone got so mad about. I'm, uh, I'm also, like that. a creepy villain on a train has like that has a lot of appeal. I think. Yeah, it's kind of cool, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Imagine they're like, you know, I guess, I guess the way. Well, no, when they get to Hogwarts, it's usually dark, so like you don't even have to to fudge it really. If, if it's, like, on the bridge or whatever, and they're, like, on the roof, and they're, like, crawling around in the dark, and there's a scary lady crawling around with, with robot arm, that's cool. I, I hope like this, this is in the video game. Yeah. Ooh. Mm, I'm starting to like... Oh. Fuck. Okay. I This is my first... I have my first ever genuine wish for the video game. Okay, okay. Um, I want a 
I, I want it to be so like you you arrive on the Hogwarts Express uh, for your first year at Hogwarts, right? Mm-hmm. I know that that's just not the case because we've already seen that you arrive via the fucking uh, carriage that lands in Hogwarts or whatever. But I, I'm let me I'm I, I'm simply simply painting a word picture here. You arrive at Hogwarts on the tra- on the train. Um, you can walk around the train. At the beginning of the game, maybe talk to some NPCs, get some like early side quests or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can leave the train, uh-huh. but if you do, the trolley witch comes and kills you. Hell yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Because like we, we were talking about like, oh, what if the Dementor is like, like send you back if you go out of bounds, right? Mm-hmm. What if the trolley witch gets you if you go out of bounds of the train? Uh, it'd be one of those things because like most people wouldn't experience it right because there would be like no reason to mm-hmm. so most people wouldn't like path out of the train and maybe it's like kind of hard to do and for no reason so it would be like one of those things like did you know that if you get off of the train the trolley witch comes and kills you yeah cuts, cuts your head clean off yeah Ooh, it's like creepypasta game lore yep yeah 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 and this is and if you do this at, at 1201 a.m. <laughs> You get the Triforce. Absolutely. Fuck. This is what gaming should still be. You get. You can't lie about games on the internet anymore in in fun ways. It sucks. I can so clearly picture like the GeoCities website with like the tiled Mew background that explained <laughs> like all the ways you could get Mew yeah. in red and blue. Wasn't the internet cool once upon a time? It was cool. What didn't it rock when that was what it looked like? God. Um, Who made those? And why? <laughs> there there was one that I was obsessed with because it sounded so plausible to me as a kid um, of involving the Triforce. And it, it worked on me, I think, because they had, like, screenshots of, um, like, the beta version of Ocarina of Time, you know, mm-hmm. where, like, there oh, is a Triforce yeah. thing that were in, like, a couple magazines. And, like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that it was, like, from a magazine or whatever. And I was like, this one's definitely real. Look, there's a screenshot of Link with the Triforce here. Uh, my Mine was that there was – it wasn't the the Mew, like, catch a Mew that was um under, like, at the SSN, but there was, like, another thing that you could do. And partway through the steps, the person said, like, at this point, you should hear a loud beep. And I assume it's just some sort of bug or something that happens, but the beep does happen. So oh, I was shit. Like, so I was like, what am I doing wrong? Because it didn't work after that. Aw, fuck. It was sad. Yeah, God, we can't, you, you, you just can't do that with games anymore. No. The, the, those, those fun playground stories just can't happen anymore. It's so mm-hmm. sad. All right. Uh, I have one last thing. One last piece of the puzzle for us here Mm. um this is so i was not able to find a copy of this book uh for us to get but i think that this article will kind of give us the important parts here Mm -hmm. this is from 2019 uh and it is a uh a review of sorts of the cursed child making of book oh uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, The Journey, a companion book for the stage production of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Uh, this is an article from the Rolling Library, so I think that that might frame uh, how 
like where this article is coming from, you know, in, in terms of like like what it wants to <laughs> how it wants to position JK Rowling in this story, right? Yeah, we've got an editorial bent here. So so keep that in mind while I'm reading this and and describing to you what it says about JK Rowling's involvement in the play. Uh Although the book goes through every aspect of the show from the music, magic, set design, and more, what interests interests us more is J.K. Rowling's involvement in its development and how much she influenced the story. Even when she said we should consider the whole story canon, having a glimpse of the specific contributions uh, uh, the English author made gives us a better idea of how the eighth story was crafted. Rowling's participation in this book is in the form of the foreword. <laughs> and also some quotes through the next chapters, although it seems that these quotes come from videos that were recorded a long time ago. My personal opinion is that she wasn't available, besides the introduction, to collaborate with the author of The Journey. Despite that, it is possible to learn a lot from the creative process that gave birth to The Cursed Child. The suspected timeline for this project is confirmed to be what we have believed. Producers Sonia Friedman and Colin Callender approached J.K. Rowling with the idea of taking Harry Potter to the stage. Rowling accepted, and only then Tiffany and Thorne were added to the creative team. The script was ready in the first months of 2015. We know that some things were Tiffany and Thorne's ideas, and they did not come directly from Rowling. Some of these are the inclusion of Scorpius's character, the death of his mother Astoria, and having Albus feel like he doesn't fit in. In more general ideas, the idea of the play being set most most of the time during the fourth year was also coming from the duo, as focusing on the Goblet of Fire as the inspiration and setting of the play, making connections with both the plot and the emotional themes of the fourth book in the series. It's Harry's first death, says Thorne, and dealing with Cedric and what Cedric meant. It was a transformative year for Harry, so what if we put Albus and Scorpius in that year in their fourth year at Hogwarts? Rowling has said, the three of us developed the story together, always, I feel, with our eye on family, loss, what it means to be a father, and what it means to be the child of a very unusual father. Huh. So, sort of in the list that that Jack Thorne and John Tiffany was the characters, the themes, the plot, <laughs> the, the, the emotions, plot. the ideas. Is, <laughs> However, is that what about right? <laughs> that's, that certainly seems to be where this is going, huh? Mm-hmm. However, Rowling did share her own ideas, which were also used. For the start, Jack Thorne wanted to use a new character as Hogwarts headmaster, Professor Marazian. But Rowling said that McGonagall should still be directing Hogwarts at the time. Let's not forget that Joe has changed. Uh, her, her, Joe changed her mind here since years ago. She mentioned McGonagall should be retired by now. Rowling also asked specifically to use the term "blood malediction" to refer to Astoria's <laughs> sickness, which would connect the stage play to the Fantastic Beasts <laughs> film series she was writing, <laughs> where Nagini suffers from the same condition. At last, Jack Thorne also invented two new spells, Fulgury and Moliere. They were developed by Thorne, but named by Rowling. I always tried to name them, but she always had something better, confirms the author. So... So some Latin? So so she, she named... She said, actually, McGonagall should be there. 
Um, it should be a blood malediction because I'm writing that into my movie and uh, I get to name the spells. Huh. She always had something better. Yeah. At least one of those is just a Latin word, right? Yeah. Or, and maybe both of them? F- fulgury, I believe, is a Latin word. I and that's really it's really good that someone knew how to google latin words on the team <laughs> about the writing process itself we now know that jack thorne wrote a 45 page treatment then drove conversations and exchanges of ideas among the three later on that treatment became the script we all know thorne has an interesting quote about the whole process we kept talking talking and talking says thorne it was a mixture of could we try this and her going "Ooh, that makes me think of this it was a constant deep core mining. The thing is to shake the author for as much information as possible because their knowledge is your secret weapon and their knowledge isn't always on paper. And this is not hyperbole. She is without a doubt the most supportive writer I've ever worked with, Thorne states. Not that she would say yes to everything. It was in the way she would guide us and help us and be there. That's that's beautiful i can just picture them talking and talking and talking perhaps she stands uh stands up and there's a circular mirror behind <laughs> her head as mm-hmm. if a halo uh <laughs> that's wonderful i jack thorne deserves an award for being the most diplomatic writer on earth <laughs> i feel that's very funny. Their knowledge is your secret weapon and isn't always on paper is very funny. Yeah. They also mention the possibility of including other characters such as Teddy Lupin and Luna Lovegood, which made it to the rehearsal phase. That's interesting. Uh, who were discarded because they did not want to use characters just for the sake of it. Um, if they had to have a purpose for the storyline, they also addressed the absence of Hugo Weasley in the opening scene. It was suggested that perhaps Hugo was being re- watched by Molly rather than coming to King's Cross that day. Sure, why not? Sure. What does okay. Hugo do? Yeah, he, Hugo has a big haircut, is what I know about Hugo. It's so good that Teddy got cut because the number of characters that stayed in that should have been cut. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like fully. Still on board with like the idea of just cutting Ron out of the out of the play. I know that maybe, you can't do it, but <laughs> yeah, maybe Hugo was sick and Ron had to stay home. Yeah, you know. It's also noted that the first scene Jack Thorne wrote was the explosive dialogue between Harry and his out middle son Albus Potter. It was his own idea, but Rowling loved it from the start. Hmm, interesting. It was in, uh, in the first draft, the scene was removed, but luckily it was inserted back as it was requested by director John Tiffany. That's uh, weird. It, it's, it's like a lot of information and also no information. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so that's I, that is the best. Um, I, that, like the, the most comprehensive breakdown of what the fuck J.K. Rowling actually did on this thing. I... I kind of want to get a copy of this book mm-hmm. because the fact that she didn't, she wasn't even available to like talk about it is wild to me. She wrote a foreword and that's it. Yeah. That really, I don't know. That really colors it for me. And like, this is, this is coming from the rolling library, right? So this is like, these are the people, these are her, her booster club, right? Right. Uh, and the best they can say is, uh, she came up with the spells and Jack Thorne came up with the plot and the themes and the feelings and <laughs> everything. So, God, 
that's bananas to me. Um, this does not matter to any of that, but how, <laughs> how the fuck do you write in a curse, um, that someone turns into an animal until they can't not turn into an animal anymore and not say what animal it was? <laughs> That's true. It's like, yeah, what is God. wrong with you? Yeah. What if, animal did she turn into? Yeah. Astoria. Yeah. Astoria Greek. God. Okay. You know what? Thank you for mentioning that. Astoria. We got to look this up. Astoria Malfoy. What animal did she fucking turn also, into? Also, why'd she die? Because Nagini didn't die. Yeah. She just was a snake. Her blood curse. Okay, early life, adulthood, marriage, raising Scorpius, death. In the summer before Scorpius's third year, Astora died to the toll of her family curse, leaving her son and husband heartbroken. But what animal? Right. What animal did she turn into? Am I wrong? Is it just always snakes? I thought it was not. Nagini was a maledictus that suffered from a blood malediction which ultimately destined her to transform permanently into a large snake. Astoria Malfoy suffered from a serious blood malediction as a result of a curse placed on one of her ancestors. The condition left her frail. She only had one child. It doesn't say anything about her turning into a snake. Did also, JK why, did, why did she die? It just said, it, yeah, all it says, it doesn't say that she died from the blood malediction. It said it maybe contributed to her death. Did Astoria Greengrass turn into a snake? <laughs> I'm looking this up. Did Astoria turn into a snake? Maledictus. Uh, Harry Potter lexicon Maledictus. Maledictus is a witch or wizard who suffers from a blood curse. One form of this affliction has been inherited by Draco Malfoy's wife, Astoria Greengrass. Astoria died from the blood curse in August of 2019. Another form causes its victims to slowly transform into a bee. Okay, so what J.K. Rowling pulled everything out of her ass here is what I'm learning. Wait, what? wait, wait. Is this say so she made Astoria die of the blood curse, but Nagini has the same blood curse, but it's a special one that makes her into a it's snake. A separate form. So why did it have to be the same? So I also, this this links to a Pottermore screenshot that says Claudia Kim appears as a maledictus, the carrier of a blood curse that destines her to ultimately transform into a beast. So that a beast. that to me implies that that is like the point of the blood curse. You can't get like a blood curse that turns you into a snake and then also get the same blood curse that doesn't. That's a different curse to me, I feel. She got the snake variety one. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, your your blood work just came back. Um, and you do have a malediction. Oh, no, that's so terrible. <laughs> uh, is it the one where I turn into a snake? <laughs> uh, nope, it's the one where you die. Reddit, how does Astoria Malfoy's blood curse work? An analysis of blood curse. Whoa, this person has written a fucking essay on this. Damn. It's called Blood Curse, 
but I'm choosing to interpret that, that as a less literal meaning. And I'm okay, but I'm just, I'm control F snake snake. There are some lines in the latest fantastic beast movies that implied the more times Nagini turned into a snake, the less likely she would return to a human form. Okay. There's only one result for snake in this entire, what is wrong with people? <laughs> I thought it was just that you turned into a snake until you couldn't stop turning into a oh snake. Oh my god. This I is I never thought of this. I never thought of this and now it's going to bother me for the rest of my life. But Astoria has the same thing, but she doesn't turn into a snake. She just dies. She just died. I mean, like, like it sounds like the, the way Astoria's condition is described, she just sounds like it's like when they say a character in like a story from the 1800s died of consumption. Yeah. Or they're just like, oh, I'm so weak. And I died. Right. right. Like I was sort of wondering if like if it was all snakes that like maybe it was like Draco. Once I can't turn back anymore, you have to. You have to cut my head off, you, and then, you, so that would be like fucked up. Oh but, God, you have Draco. Yeah, when Harry and Draco were talking at the end, he's like, you know, I had to, <laughs> I had to like swing my wife around like in Mario Brothers <laughs> and throw her off a cliff. It was horrible. I, yeah. What? So so okay. So this if this isn't just a curse that turns you into a snake eventually forever, all that's left is that this is a curse that women get that they pass mm. down in their families. Yeah. I would, I, I think if there was a version of that, that turns you into a snake, I think that would probably just be break. You break that off and make that its own curse. I think. I, I think. That's what I was going to say. I was like, <laughs> you just, you just make that its own thing. And then, and then tying it back to Cursed child <laughs> to tie it into your film series doesn't really matter at all. <laughs> This is so good. I mean, like, you know what this is, right? This is just classic JK Rowling, like, deciding that something also does something else, like, halfway through the story, she can't, right? She can't stop. She cannot help herself. This is absolutely, like, in 2015, when they were writing this play, she's like, oh, by the way, I'm thinking of including something called the Blood Malediction in my film, so put that in there. It'll be a fun little tie-in. And then, like halfway through writing the script like way after cursed child was like you know moving trucking along beyond that she was like "Ooh, that should be how nagini turns into a snake <laughs> like absolutely this this is this is patronus emails all over again this is it really is yeah she just decided that that was a, a second feature of this curse that she could add I okay because okay this is why I thought that um, someone tweeted at her after it was like revealed, like the Nagini stuff was revealed and they said Nagini Animagus and then added her really question mark OMG. And JK Rowling quote tweeted that and said, not an Animagus, a Maledictus big difference, which I sure read into being like that a core feature of the maledictus was the turn into an animal but it's different because you get stuck <laughs> yeah right? like, i get that she's not saying that literally but that is what that implies to me i'm going bananas oh not an animagus a maledictus big difference okay but the similarity would be that they could turn into an animal right i this is this is gonna drive me crazy this is this is jk rowling getting one last laugh in us here this is a this is a fucking nightmare um, also someone 
responded to this, sorry, silly question, what's the difference? She replied back, you have to watch the movie to find out, exclamation point. Fuck. (laughs) And yet, I still have questions. Uh, so I found an article called Harry Potter fans have one big theory that connects Nagini to Draco Malfoy. Uh, uh, Albus is rebelling against a father and mother with heroic reputations, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's when Astoria dies, or at least that's what they tell us. According to the Harry Potter wiki, the Greengrass family is an ancient wizarding line, one of the Sacred 28. Uh, apparently Astoria knew from her childhood she was not going to live long. The Greengrass line has a blood maledictus throughout her mother's side, and though the disease can skip generations, hers was active in the Cursed Child canon. There are lots of nasty rumors about how Astoria managed to get pregnant, considering she was already ill in her early 20s. Okay, hang on, that's a little rude. You can still get pregnant (laughs) if you're sick. That's mean. Yeah, what? Some suggest she used a time-turner to be impregnated by Lord Voldemort. These vicious stories turn out to be nonsense. In fact, the show puts forward Draco married Astoria as an act of rebellion because she was anti-blood purity and morally opposed to everything Voldemort stood for. But it's interesting the rumors to tie Astoria back to Voldemort as something as somehow being his lover, especially in light of knowing another woman carrying an active blood maledictus was very close to the Dark Lord, Nagini. It's possible there are several wizarding families where the women in the family carry this curse, but the British wizarding world just isn't that big. For example, Draco's mother Narcissa and Bellatrix are sisters and Tonks is their niece. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Okay, true. (laughs) That is true. All three are related to the fiancé of Theseus Scamander, Letta. This is a small town, especially when you're talking blood purity. Could Nagini have been a greengrass? Could she have been directly related to Astoria? Could Draco have sat at the table where Voldemort held his councils and watched a snake who would technically be his future-in-law slither across the table? Did (laughs) Neville behead Astoria's mother? Did Astoria really die in Cursed Child? Oh my god, we're asking so many questions here! Or did she change back- Should she change for the final time into an animal? Wait, according That's to what the I'm wiki, wondering. according to the wiki, Maledictus's forms are based on their personality. Where does it say that? What was it? Has it been edited? Did someone? Because I swear I've that read is this. Not, that is not. I'm. I control F personality. That is not here. People just saying stuff, huh? Maledictus is like the are... fucking mew hack. <laughs> Mal- J.K. Rowling tweets, J.K. Uh, uh, Maledictuses are always women, whereas werewolves can be either sex. Thank you, Joe. Thank you so much. Um, not an animagus, a maledictus, big difference. Uh, a mal- are maledictuses predestined to be evil? They were born that way, kind of. Rolling, not at all. The slow transformation into a beast is beyond their control, but they aren't destined to be. So it's okay. It is then. So it is then. Joe, Joe. God damn it. Okay, but what did she turn into then? No, wait. Is it always a snake? No, they can be other creatures. (gasps) I was right. Depends on the curse. I knew it. But it's always creatures. Also, like, green grass, I feel like I could relate back to snakes, like a snake in the grass, right? Right, yeah. And it's a Slytherin. Yeah. But that doesn't... I'm now more on board with the Nagini and Astoria being related theory than I yeah. am anything else. Because if they're both snakes, maybe it is the same curse. Why wouldn't Draco say that his wife turned into a snake? 
That yeah, that I feel like that would be key information. Why did know? she die? Oh, she turned into a snake. And then I had to kill her. <sighs> what a fucking incredible thing to discover in the the eleventh hour here. That's one of the three examples of contributions she made to this play. <laughs> she she named some spells. She said McGonagall should be in it, and she said <laughs> make sure that to mention my blood malediction, which turns you into a snake, by the way. Did she forget that part? <laughs> Would she, like, did she just say, just say that she died of this and then didn't say anything else, like what it was? <laughs> Jesus Bad Christ. Bad news, Jack Thorne. Oh my I God. I forgot to tell you that it turns you into a snake. Yeah, it doesn't she, kill you. She said that to him. They were like halfway through rehearsals, you know, like a week before opening. And she came and said, <laughs> this is wonderful. You've done such a great job. Um, I have a new note on the Maledictus thing. It turns you into a snake. Is there a way we can work that in uh, before the play opens? And <laughs> everyone was like, nope. Sorry. Nope. And, and then she she said, keep the secrets, and then winked and, and went away forever. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, what an incredible note to end on here. J.K. Rowling, she's done it again. <laughs> I don't know what, but she's done it what, again. I don't know what this means, but she's done it again. All right, we've got to take it to the close. <laughs> Our theme song is... Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks to them, as always, for letting us use that as our theme song. You can find them at Bandcamp, and you can find us at patreon.com slash streetcast. Um, Liz, what are we watching next time? Well, we're going to be taking a little trip to the theater. To the theater. We're, we're going to the theater. Flights. We're We're getting We've our done our tickets. homework. Um, yeah. And it's time to see a little play called The Cursed Child Part One. Part One. That's right, because it is two plays. So yeah, that's have... why we had to get those hotel rooms for, for a weekend <laughs> and not just the, the old one night. <laughs> and we're really going and we're definitely really going to be there. In... I can't wait to be there. <laughs> All right. Well, until then, please book another flight please book another flight but there's a lady there makes ocean rolls seem tame but know what you're after if you catch a ride because this hot mama is just a cat in disguise